what's going on everyone thank you for joining us for another episode of our podcast i'm les and i'm mo and this is the les and mo show what is happening everyone welcome to episode nine i hope all of you are out there doing well Today, we are going to be talking about a secret fraternity that is home to many, many famous and powerful people. We are talking about the Skull and Bones Society of Yale University. Yes, this is a really good episode. I'm excited. I mean, this really gets you thinking about, you know, secret societies and how much they really do in the background. Yeah, I mean, and this isn't the only one, guys. There's a lot of other college secret societies, fraternities, sororities, whatever. I mean, there's a lot of them. Yale has multiple. I believe some of them are connected, and we'll kind of get into that a little bit later. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this is going to be a really cool episode. Um, A lot of stories from history with this one. Um, You know, wondering about if the elite are really recruiting for the next generation. So... Let's dive into the Skull and Bones. So the Skull and Bones Secret Society started in 1832 at Yale University, and it was founded by William Huntington Russell and Alfonso Taft. So Taft would actually go on to be the Attorney General, and he would hold other notable positions in politics. He worked under President Ulysses S. Grant, and he was also the father of President William Howard Taft. Russell would start an organization with uh, Daniel Colt Gilman, Coit Gilman rather, where they would manage the society's assets. It is called the Russell Trust Association. When the fraternity was founded, it was referred to as the Order of the Skull and Bones. Other names have been the Order, Skull and Bones, Order 322, and the Brotherhood of Death. So just right away, you're starting out with two pretty heavy hitters, like the father of President Taft, So that's crazy right there. And he was powerful himself. You know, he worked for President Grant and he was a really prominent political figure. So two pretty powerful men starting the society out. That's and I also yeah, I also wonder why what's with all the dark theme, right? Skull and Bones. Yeah. The Brotherhood of Death. Um, So it's just with the the name, the order as well. The order of the Skull and Bones just a lot of. uh weird names that they pick yeah their, it's you know. like they're trying to add this like element of mystery and surprise and you know suspicion it's obviously not a normal fraternity at a college it's not yeah. like a greek themed or at all like yeah. you know so delta kappa pi you yeah. know like it's the skull and bones <laughs> like what so each spring during yale's official tap day skull and Bones selects 15 members to join it's you it used to be like a boys club an all boys club and then in the 1990s they started introducing women into the society and it's actually really funny because a when this idea became about to let women start joining there were members that were against the idea and members that were for it and one of them even got a temporary restraining order on the change of the bylaws so that they couldn't just like let women in without it being approved so it was interesting that they had to fight to let women into the club 
So anyways, the Skull and Bones usually recruits um, members that they see to be like campus leaders and those who are like desirable figures. So like Mo said, they referred to themselves as the Order 322 and in their logo, you can see a skull and a crossbones as well as the number 322 below it. It's said that their obsession with 322 comes from the date 322 BCE and that they measure their years from that year instead of following the traditionally used system that's in place today. So basically, they ignore the calendar that that we use and they use a whole separate system. The um, members even function to a different clock than what we function to. So they run five minutes behind what our clocks run at. So if it's 3.55 here, it's 3.50 for them. So I don't know. Does that just mean that they're automatically like late for parties and late for class? And do they get excused because of that? Because, oh, I'm a skull and bone. So I just run five minutes behind. Sorry. Like, or are they just 15 minutes early to everything? (laughs) (laughs) I guess that could be the truth. That could be the situation also. (laughs) The skull and bones have two known facilities that they function out of. One is called the tomb and is located on Yale University's campus. The structure was built in three different phases. The first wing was built in 1856 and the second was built in 1903. The towers in the back that created a private garden area were designed by Evarts Tracy and Edgerton Swartow Swartow in 1912. Gosh, those names, man. It's a hard one. Edwards was actually a former bonesman and his great-grandfather was a bonesman as well. The bonesmen also have an island they refer to as Deer Island. Deer Island is situated on the Lawrence River and Alexandria, New York. It's right on the U.S. and Canada border, and it can even be seen from the Canadian side. Deer Island was purchased by the bonesmen shortly before 1949, although the exact date is unknown. It is 50 acres with a cabin located on the southern corner of the island. The cabin is called The Outlook. It was built from stone and, ha- and had wooden structure on top, making the upstairs floors of, it, of the home. It was elaborate with tennis courts and beautiful flowers and trees making up its landscape. It contained 15 rooms and held countless antiques and priceless possessions until a fire in 1940 burnt it and it, all its con- contents to the ground. Today, the once elegant island only contains stone structures that were lost in the fire. Bonesmen are still required to visit the island till this day. That kind of makes me so sad, like the history and antique lover that I am (laughs) inside. Like that cabin, house, whatever you want to call it, was probably so, so cool. And you can see like the pictures, you know, of it before it burnt down. And it was beautiful. And like I can only imagine the incredible antiques and stuff that they had in that house and it's all gone like and they don't even take care of it to this day it's just like a shell of a building like to me it sounds like a place where they all went to and partied oh i'm sure and did that's why no one that's why no one is really keeping up with it and uh (laughs) yeah it sounds like a big cabin on in the middle of an island they all went to yeah but if you're still gonna make your members go every year then why are you not making it a retreat house again and please don't tell me that they don't have enough money because they they rake in millions every year because they're probably gonna break it all down and burn it 
<laughs> and use it in a ritual. I wouldn't be surprised if the fire was an arson. <laughs> Started by them. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, that'd be something. But it's just sad, you know, like when you have something that elaborate that your founding fathers like left to you, why would you not take care of it? But let's talk about some of the famous bonesmen and what kind of recruits they are looking for. So it's said that they would look for campus leaders and those of great stature, people who would later go on into positions of power is basically what they wanted. So women and minorities, though, were not allowed into the group for the majority of the society's history. Mostly, they were looking for, like, white Protestant men. How boring. (laughs) So this author, Alexandra Robbins, wrote a book on Skull and Bones and detailed it pretty heavily. She got interviews with people you would be surprised she got interviews with. But one of the interviewees he did not um want to be named ended up stating that if the society had a good year this is what the ideal group will consist of a football player captain a chairman of the yale daily news a conspicuous radical a whiff and poof a swimming captain a notorious drunk with a 94 average iq a filmmaker a political columnist, a religious group leader, a chairman of the lit, a foreigner, a ladies' man with two motorcycles, an ex-serviceman, a African-American, and if there are enough to go around, a good a guy nobody else in the group had ever heard of. <laughs> so, I mean... He's messing with her on this. I think he's, yeah, like, that's silly. Like, maybe some of it is kind of accurate, like, a football captain. Okay, I can see that. Like, you know. A notorious drunk with a 94 average. Well, maybe they needed, every group has that one dude. Leader. You know, that yeah. one guy who can chug a 12-pack of beer before somebody can finish one well, can. Like they're, they're looking for leaders in each group that would potentially go out after college and be Be leaders in real life yeah yeah be something like make a name for themselves even if it's in In their industry yeah and even if it's in like i guess this drunk dude with a 94 average iq is just gonna be like entertainment value later on i don't know but yeah it definitely seems like he screwed around with her with that quote but the skulls went as far as hardly ever letting catholics join and they never let anyone of the jewish faith join But by the 1950s, that all changed, and the Bones eventually let any faith or ethnicity into the group, but women were still not invited until 1992. That's BS. But some of their notable members include George H.W. Bush, George W. Bush, and their father-slash-grandfather, Prescott Bush, who was actually rumored to have stolen the skull of Geronimo from his grave in order to display it in the tomb. Other members that are pretty notable would be like John Kerry, who was the senator, um, Time Magazine founder Henry Lucci, uh, William Washburn, he's a senator of Massachusetts, and CIA agents and even more powerful figures throughout the um, United States. 
And George H. W. Bush used to be uh, Bush Bush <laughs> used to be the uh, director of the CIA as well. Yeah, so there's conspiracy of, theories with that too. You know? Yeah, they feed into the CIA almost like you know m- majority of them go into the CIA. So yeah, I think a lot of them probably do, and um, they have a big part in that. Yeah, so I mean that honestly gets you thinking, right? Like, how are they? Like, are they that well connected that just like if you're a part of the skull and bones, like you're bound to be this powerful figure yeah. in the real world, you know, after college, like that's so crazy. Is that part of the agreement? You know, like when you get tapped or whatever they call it, like you just know that you're going to go on to be something powerful and like, you well, know, do you have an, uh, an advantage to get in if your father or grandfather or whoever? So like in, there? in college though, you know, they have, different schools right like a school of business or a fraternity obviously that school of business or a fraternity has a very long history yeah so they have a history of people that have already been powerful so as these kids come and go through this fraternity they're already connected with these yeah. people that are already powerful in the real world connections so that's what happens like it's a network it's all about who you know yeah so yeah. that's and that's true with any any aspect of yeah it. you know you got to if you have connections, you're more likely to get that's what I'm yeah, exactly. You, need to go, you know, it's like a LinkedIn, but for the elite. <laughs> oh my god, the original <laughs> LinkedIn Skull and Bones Society. Oh my god, the bonesmen are known around Yale to participate in what's called crooking. Crooking is where they steal items from around campus from other secret societies at Yale. They always try to one up each other with their items. Items thought to be crooked from outside campuses are the skulls of Geronimo. Martin Van Buren, and Pancho Villa. Although the Bones never confessed to actually stealing the skull and femur of Geronimo, in a letter from one Bonesman to another, it is stated that, in quote, the skull of the worthy Geronimo, the terrible, exhumed from its tome at Fort Sill by your club, is now safe inside the tomb, together with his well-worn femur, bit, and saddle horn, end quote. It has been proven that the rumors of having the skull of Van Buren and Villa are false, but the Geronimo rumor seems to hold a lot of weight considering that there is still there is in fact a skull in the hallway uh, in the tomb. There are a lot of conspiracies surrounding the Skull and Bone Society. Since they've inducted numerous CIA agents, there is speculation that they actually run the agency and determine who's a good fit for it and that fits their agenda. Other conspiracies say that the society is part of it, if not the branch of the Illuminati, which would make sense since they tend to recruit powerful people. Although these rumors can't be confirmed, there is a lot of reason to believe in them considering the amount of secrecy and the supposed ritual that go on behind closed doors. Yeah, that's pretty crazy that they wouldn't be involved in a lot of this stuff you know from the cia to the illuminati to even having probably control over the presidencies i mean it makes sense right because the whole point of the skull and bones is this this connection this network yeah if they're having people go into the cia and some of them graduate and go on to be part of the illuminati Mm -hmm. you know it makes sense that they have some sort of connection with mm-hmm. the two entities well and just thinking about the other members we've got like the ceo of fedex oh, okay yeah. 
So he controls a big portion of our mailing system. Transportation. Then, yes, we have also a, who was the, there was a member who founded the NAACP or NCAA. NCAA. What the hell I'm is so sorry. NAACP? I'm sorry. You don't know what it is? No. The NAACP? Oh, my God. We're going to have to talk after that episode. The, the <laughs> NCAA. Yeah, so this guy, uh, Walter Camp, was also part part of the um, the cult. And he was the father of American football. He was he played in basically the first football game ever in 1876 with uh, Yale and Harvard when they played. And they basically um, tried to they used the influence of rugby. And he played rugby back in the day. So yeah. And he and then he created the NCAA, which is still around till this day. <laughs> I mean that's crazy. So. But then that's sports. Okay. Yeah. And then you have presidents. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's the presidency. There's um, hedge fund founders and CEOs, yes, that are involved. So you've got like really prominent people covering a lot of things that have to do with the daily lives of regular citizens. So we know that the Illuminati is all about control because we talked about that a lot the last episode. But is this even more proof that they? They are a piece of the Illuminati, a branch of it, like you said. Yeah. I mean, it would make sense to me, for sure. Yeah, they, you know, they obviously went around with a purpose where they selected people in each category Mm -hmm. to make sure that they had some sort of say Yeah. once, you know, that person was big in the world, so. Well, let's talk about their, like, rituals and hazing and stuff, too. Like, there's reports that, you know, there's that... Um, coffin in one of the rooms and you have to go in the coffin and lay there and say like your deepest darkest secret and yeah they like hold on to that for like blackmail so actually with that you i've i've heard that you get naked oh and you lay on top of the um table or if it's a um coffin whatever it is and then you are i believe you're recorded Oh, like, Lord. And then you say all these deep secrets. And- wow. And see, that's like, they're just doing shit to hold it over your head. You know, like if you probably come out and tell the story of what they do behind closed doors and crap like that, then they use it against you. Like 100 yeah. percent. They definitely. That's why do you think so many of them are in secrecy? Well, like one of them has to you. You will at one point. You know, a, the secret will come out, but yeah. because there's something to it, you know, it, that would affect them. That's why all of them just keep to themselves because they don't want their secrets to get out. Yeah. One of my favorite <clears throat> things with interviews about the Skull and Bones when people are asking Bonesmen was when um, George Bush and John Kerry were running for presidency against each other. They were interviewed separately and both of them were asked like, hey, what can you tell us about Skull and Bones? And you know, Bush makes the comment like, oh, I mean, I can't talk about that. It's a secret. You know, it's it's so secret that I can't tell you about it. And then, you know, John Kerry kind of makes the same comment. Other Bonesmen have said, you know, hey, do you want me do you want me to be gone for good and stuff like that? Like they yeah. definitely there's such an is like a like mysterious element surrounding this. And I just want to know more. I want to sneak in there like this reporter did. There was a reporter who kind of snuck in with these like rival secret society members like 
they like took all these cameras and stuff and it says that they basically what they're saying in here was there's a wall in the tomb and it doesn't have like priceless artworks that they've stolen from campus and stuff. It literally has stolen license plates. <laughs> and then they're saying also in this article that their um, like rituals included like getting this really like I'm just gonna say it. She's like a like a prostitute woman hmm. to go on Broadway and solicit senior citizens to play and i quote the penis and vagina game like they do he's saying that they got them on camera doing stuff like that versus doing these sketchy like satanic rituals so like they're like getting old ladies it sounds like something some drunk bros would do on a random friday night to me it sounds like honestly they're doing some fraternity shit that like normal fraternities do but they make it seem all secret and mysterious to mess with everyone that's my whole thing too (laughs) that's what i was kind of trying to say at the beginning of this and i was like well shoot let's get through this before i make a final assumption but yeah i think that these founding fathers or whatever of this society were just like they had certain intentions going about it but i think from what we've learned like things started to fall apart and it wasn't this like noble society any longer there even you know the deer island retreat house burnt down and they didn't fix it back up like i think that it's really just become more of a frat versus some like secret society that has satanic like elements to it and stuff like that like i think it's just drunk bros hanging out doing stupid stuff and that's about it like so uh, yeah I, I agree with you i believe that it was probably like that in the past where it was a lot more structured with mm-hmm. like an agenda yeah but now with you know 21st century you know it's probably a lot more lenient um they've started to you know enroll they've started tapping women in mm-hmm. um different types of people um so the agenda is probably not the same as it was in the 1800s but i still do believe that they have a big part in a lot of the leadership roles in in real life world after college. And some of these members grow up to be powerful people and they use the power of the Skull and Bone Society to somewhat control them, you know, in real life. Um, But I also do think that, you know, they were some guys having fun at the same time, messing with people because, you know, everyone did make it a big deal about, oh, who are these yeah who is a secret society what's up with them why are they so secret so yeah even um the mainstream media has gotten involved and the skull and bone society has often been detected uh pick depicted <laughs> depicted in movies and films like the skulls there's a whole series um it's like th- i think three or four movies that are about the skull and bones club and the first one even like I think it was Paul Walker and someone else was in the very first movie. Um, but, you know, Seth MacFarlane, of course, with Family Guy, American Dad, all of that. He makes references to it. The show The Good Shepherd um, has a character who was a Skull and Bone uh, member. Then The Simpsons, of course. And I don't know, man, if this whatever The Simpsons had to say 
about Skull and Bones. It probably is true because they're damn near accurate on everything yeah. else. But the Simpsons is the agenda. Like you watching that, you'll know what's gonna happen next. Yeah, I swear it's based <laughs> off that. But many times graduated bonesmen, you know, they've been interviewed and they just haven't said anything. So it's really hard to know what's going on there without any information being divulged by them. But I don't know. The Skull and Bone Secret Society is definitely shrouded in mystery and they keep so many details hush hush that you know, it's, it's hard to speculate with it, you know? Yes. So. And that actually brings us to the end of this episode. Let us know what you guys think. Do you think that the skull and bones are just a secret society that just, you know, happens to have so many powerful members or, you know, was it just a frat? Like, let us know what you think. Or was if you know any, yeah. If you have any conspiracies that are related to it, uh, comment below and uh, like this video. The more you know, the, the less, less you fear. fear. So, so tune in next week, right back here. here.